When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. You can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gonna change Cause every action got a consequence Consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life Is elevate through your pain I can relate to feeling like Your life is stuck in the face Giving effort but results Just keep remaining the same Have some patience for yourself Shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile While even standing in rain It's all about perspective I'm chilling, catching blessings And cryptocurrency been busting And I'm well invested She know that if she rock with me Then she gonna stay protected Cause even when this shit get hectic I ain't never stressing I'm legend I woke up feeling wealthy today My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face Cause this ain't a second, I can't waste, I'm putting food on place Mill. Welcome everybody, it's another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast I'm your co-host, Kelly with my main man, Jared. How you feeling out there, Jared? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's a lovely Saturday. 
ready to get into this podcast, man. This is about to be a real exciting episode, and I know it's about to be a lot of good information for people, especially everybody interested in everything crypto right now. So for this episode, man, I definitely want to introduce y'all to somebody who's going to be a really special guest. She's a mompreneur, first off. So you know that's already difficult, level one. <laughs> and then from there, she's a successful Black woman in the tech industry for over 20 years at this point. She's been featured in Blavity, Black Enterprise, and a lot of other different outlets as well. She's also been named the creator of the cryptocurrency of the culture. Today, we're going to be talking to Ms. Tavana Evans. Hey, Ms. Tavana, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? We're doing well. I'm good, doing well. Doing good. Good. We just kind of want to start off with, like we always start off with, just kind of go into your background. You know, how did you get started in the tech industry and that portion of your career? Well, I'm originally from New York, born in Long Island, raised in Brooklyn. Been in Georgia for over 20 years, though. I started out in tech and I guess you say desktop publishing years and years ago evolved uh, a little deeper into marketing, web development, software engineering, data, <laughs> data science, blockchain, you know, blockchain data science. And throughout my journey, I've always been very, very, you know, I just needed to know the next thing and not the next thing in terms of just knowing it, but the tech behind it, you know, whatever's coming out. If you're in the tech, you got like 24 hours to figure it out <laughs> and start figuring out if this is something that you want to work into your plan, whatever you're working in. I had a web development company back in 2004 that lasted for many, many years. And I worked in government and enterprise. I worked for Fortune 500 companies, doing everything from development to marketing, et cetera. And then I decided that I want to start putting out my own stuff. I had plenty of ideas and things that I wanted to put out, but I wasn't ready. But when I was ready, I uh, came out and launched a company I had called Safe to Meet, which was the world's first peer-to-peer verification platform, verifying someone is safe in less than five minutes. And we did great promoting it. A lot of people were interested, but when it came down to actually getting funding, that's where we failed to secure the money to kind of scale the company and take it past an MVP. So I started taking a deeper look into blockchain. I was introduced to Bitcoin way back in like 2011 by another geeky friend of mine. But I think I was into so many things at the time. I was super distracted. You know, things were doing very well with my development company. So I wasn't really paying attention to it. He's like, you really need to look at this. So, you know, like a lot of people, I kind of put that old Bitcoin wallet to the side. And just kept on doing my thing. And then when I saw what amazing things people were doing with blockchain, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Because I approach things from the creator perspective. What can we do to create certain things? And I saw that people were building off of Bitcoin. You know, they were creating other coins, they were creating currencies, they were creating projects. I was like, but wait, hold on a minute. The tech is great, but we need a currency. I'm very, very deep into the buy Black movement, support Black-owned businesses, support your community. I was raised that way. I was raised by a revolutionary mama, you know, ex-Black Panther, all of that. So the whole thing of financial freedom has always been and deeply embedded into me. And I realized that we don't have anything near financial freedom until we have something that belongs truly to us. I also saw with blockchain how we had an opportunity to co-create something. It didn't just have to be me 
just putting something out, it would be a community co-creating a whole financial system. And I knew that that was going to be something that was going to have to be taught and have to be fostered. It was going to take some time, but it was really worth the effort. And that that's great. Like, that's dope. Like, I really love your whole story. I definitely want to dive into one thing from the beginning. Some of you said that they caught me. You said your mom was an ex-Black Panther? Yeah, my mom was wow. a Black Panther. That's my mom crazy. was a revolutionary. Well, she still is. She is. She's still a re- very revolutionary person. And she embedded a lot of things in me. You know, from young, I had to read everything, everything about every revolutionary. And they may not have understood it at the time. Like, why? You know, but that was my culture. That was my life. So I'm reading books from everybody who was anybody in the revolutionary community and about doing revolutionary things. And so I grew up that way. You know, I grew up with a sense of, of pride, a sense of love for my people. And I realized that although we may not have a lot of money at times, we are very rich in social currency. You know, we're very influential on this planet. And I was like, if there's only something that could validate that, I think that a lot of people it would strengthen the values within our community if we knew just how much we were worth and how much value we have. Definitely. Definitely agree. Yeah. I kind of want to go into your beginning of your tech career. And how did you get like interested in tech? What was the first thing? Like, okay, I kind of like this tech stuff. It's getting me interested in it. You know, it's funny. I was asked that question like three times this week. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> where it began. I just know I just started doing it. And I got deeper and deeper. It's like a rabbit hole. I just kept going deeper and deeper in the rabbit hole. And I just wanted to keep learning and learning new things, you know. And in terms of software engineering and development, I think that was the most interesting part of my journey because that kind of came about by fixing things. I'm a good fixer. So people used to always come to me with their software broken or their website broken or this is broken. And always I'm a very good problem solver. So I used to go in, I really started my coding journey that way, just like solving problems, just like fixing and even going on the open source forums and stuff like that. And when people had issues, I would go in and solve it. I would post the issues. So I was very, very active in the open source development. So that's something that really kind of connected me with blockchain, which is open source as well. That was just how I was immersed in the open source world. And for those that aren't like as familiar with everything like cryptocurrency wise, can you kind of break down the differences between like what is cryptocurrency, I guess, in general versus blockchain and like how blockchain can be used? When something happens to your kitchen, you might say this is ludicrous, but that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim. Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Absolutely. Blockchain is the underlying technology. So think of blockchain as like the operating system, like Windows or Mac, right? And cryptocurrencies are software running on it. So think of that as Microsoft Word running on Windows you know, the operating system and the software that runs on top of this. So blockchain is the underlying technology. And blockchain is composed of lots of components that are not new. So you have cryptography, which essentially is generating cryptographic keys to keep things secure. So a way that we can have a key and have a secure way of accessing the blockchain. 
that technology has been around, of course, longer than Bitcoin. And typically, that's how open source technology works. It's built on other parts, other moving parts that come together, other algorithms, et cetera, that make one big piece of software. So what blockchain is, is you have, and especially when it comes in terms of cryptocurrency, you have blocks that contain information, that contain data, right? And when these blocks are assembled, when, when these transactions are complete and they're added to the block, another block is added and so on and so on and so on. And it grows just like a chain. That's why it's called a chain, right? And cryptocurrency, that's another element to blockchain because blockchain can do and provide a lot of different things. You can do things like identity. You can create identity platforms. You can create data platforms. You can do a lot. Anything where you need to have a secure way for people to access it, but not give up all their information, blockchain is the great way to do it, right? So cryptocurrency, essentially what it's doing is it's giving you a key pair. It's giving you a public and a private key, right? And these are the two essential things that you need to access this data, which is funds, you know, which is now money and has a value. These are the two things that are key to accessing that data. A lot of people, we get wallets in crypto and we think that that's the crypto or the crypto is stored somewhere in a bank or, you know, I have this all the time. People are calling me. It's like, well, can I transfer my money directly into the bank or can I call customer service or can I do this? And none of these things exist in most cryptocurrencies because cryptocurrency, uh, these cryptocurrencies are decentralized. So We've created a system in a way that we can transact with one another without having the, an intermediary in between, like a bank or the Federal Reserve or the government dictate how we transact with one another, right? So it's the true definition of financial freedom because I should be able to transact with someone just like that. Like if I want to send my money to someone across the world or even down the street, I should be able to do it without having to go through all the red tape that we go through, right? So that's what decentralization does. It, de it disrupts the current power structure and removes the red tape from us being able to transact with one another, right? So this is, a, the I guess you could say, the most revolutionary thing about it. Decentralization, the idea kind of came about with Bitcoin. Prior to Bitcoin, virtual currency was not a you know, a foreign idea. We already had virtual currencies. We already had attempts to create currencies, et cetera. But decentralization came in and said, hey, we can have currency, but let's do it in a more equitable way for everyone. You know what I mean? Let's even the playing field. Let's take away the big guy who dictates and manipulates the market. You know what I mean? Let's remove all of that and let's do something that we all can agree on. We all can grow and we can build and we can give our input. And that comes from the open source movement. We can all give our input. We can all add to the software. We can decide to vote and take away from the software. We get to make the rules. So it's restoring the power to the people when it comes to the financial system as well. That's awesome. That's a great explanation of those two things. And I've been having this run through my mind actually all week, and I've been wanting to ask somebody this, and I think you're the perfect person to answer. Do you think that the Black community would be more accepting to cryptocurrencies if they were taught more about the blockchain? No. No. <laughs> I don't. Honestly, I don't think that's what it is at all. 
Black people will be more accepting of cryptocurrency if they see more Black faces talking about it. Okay. That is what's mm. going to build trust with Black people. It's not necessarily the technology itself. I mean, the technology is great, but again, if you see the same faces from the old financial system pushing this agenda, that's all we're going to think about. This is an agenda and they're pushing it. So there's going to be some type of, you know, there's going to be some reluctancy to adopt this or to put all of your faith behind something else connected to or could potentially be connected to the old system. So no, I don't think it's just the education on blockchain. We actually did that, you know, around 2017, around the first Bitcoin boom, educating people on crypto was limited to teaching people about blockchain. So what you had is people would come, they're interested, they'll come to these events and they're hearing all the technical stuff. And these are regular people who are just going to spend money. You know what I mean? Like when you log into your bank, when you log into your Bank of America interface, you don't care about the Java servlets. You don't care about the JS. You don't care about the HTML. You don't care about any of that. You just care about the management of your money. And you don't want to know about any of that. So I kind of feel the same way in a way about cryptocurrency and blockchain. Yes, there are some key points about blockchain that need to be taught, and that's really decentralization. But in terms of the technology itself, I think that's too much and a little bit too overwhelming for the general population. I was actually going to ask, I feel like that kind of leads into my next question or what I wanted to get into with you, which was Guapcoin. So I wanted to understand like what led to it from you having you know, a successful career, you're a mompreneur, you're doing everything yourself, and then like you decide to go ahead and create this currency for the culture. Like, What drew that inspiration? Well, the funny thing is, this wasn't like my first rodeo in terms of thinking about creating the currency for the people. Back in the days, I was really into alternative currencies. I was seeing things like the Liberty Dollar and all this other stuff. And I'm like, hey, if we're going to be doing this buy Black thing, we need to have our own Black money too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, that was a given. But when I saw how this technology was being used and how money, a financial system was being created, I was like, this is the answer. And to me, of course, as a tech geek, tech is always the answer. <laughs> like, oh, there's an app for it. There's this software for it. We could just work our way out of this situation. So this was perfect. I was like, this is what we need to create that financial system. We need to go ahead and jump on this opportunity while we got it. You know what I mean? I mean, Bitcoin has opened the way for creating decentralized cryptocurrencies. Yes, the laws are still not kind of caught up, but it set a template for how to create a decentralized cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? How to build one organically. And ironically, after Bitcoin, when you have all of these other projects start popping up, a lot of that organic growth was lost. So now you have just the gambles. You have the, you know, let's shoot this to the moon. You have, you know, a whole bunch of people seeing a potential opportunity to make a lot of money. So the organic growth aspect of Bitcoin was lost really with a lot of the altcoin industry. But that's something that we strive to maintain in Guapcoin because I realized like, hey, you know how we say, you know, we're Black. They're going to be looking at us harder than anybody else. We got to do this right, you know? Definitely. You spoke about altcoins. Can you explain exactly what an altcoin is? Well, what an altcoin is, if you can consider Bitcoin is the first, right? And Bitcoin is actually the core of many of these altcoins, meaning it's open source. It's a package that is taken and you can just do whatever you want to do. You can develop something on top of it. And that's what happened. You had other coins that were built on top of Bitcoin Core. 
right? And they became known as the altcoins or alternative coins, right? So you had some of the, the first altcoins like Litecoin and you had Doge was early one too, <laughs> get into that. But you had Litecoin and you had Ethereum, right? And then Ethereum brought an explosion of altcoins because it's actually yet another ecosystem. So Ethereum is very similar to my analogy when I said an operating system. Now you have something else that you can build more software on top and more expanded software that does more things. So pretty much after Ethereum, now you have thousands of altcoins popping up left and right. But I'll tell you this, obviously, all of those thousands of altcoins did not wind up surviving or doing well because still the essential core part of a cryptocurrency is building a community. The community is the most important thing. Definitely. What I've researched and what I've seen is a lot of times in the bull market, you'll see a lot of these altcoins pop up. But in the bear market, you'll see a lot of them go away because they don't have that community there. They do go away. The projects end up not getting finished. Um, right. There's nothing to keep them. There's mm-hmm. nothing to keep them, you know, with this mission. You know what I mean? We're like, we literally have a mission that we've been trying to do forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's bring economic freedom to our community. That's find a way to keep the money circulating in our community, reinvesting in our community. These are important issues that we've been trying to solve for decades. Definitely. And then there's something else I wanted to kind of get into. You spoke about Ethereum. And now that it's created and there's people building projects off of Ethereum. It's also created a problem now. I think that kind of goes into these other altcoins as well, as Ethereum is a slow process now, from what I've been reading, to build projects, to do anything on the Ethereum network. It is very expensive to do so. And so now you have these other projects that are now building the, I guess, a solution for that. They're creating projects that it doesn't cost as much. It's a lot cheaper to do things on those networks. Can you kind of speak to that? Yeah. I think the thing is, we realize that proof of work can be very expensive. You know what I mean? And I think that's the real root issue of it. Ethereum began as proof of work as well. And now it's working towards moving over to Ethereum 2.0, which is proof of stake, right? And proof of stake is something that's been around for a little bit too. And it wasn't really favored, especially because there's a lot of money in proof of work. There's a lot of people that have invested in hardware. There's a lot of companies that have invested in hardware and invested millions and millions of dollars in it. So they built a whole entire industry on something that they want to maintain and keep going. You know what I mean? And it also gives them a certain level of power in general. And so they get to make the rules, so to speak, in some cases. And they get to fund almost like a lobby for their cause and the continuation of proof of work, et cetera. So you have other projects that just kind of sprung up and they're doing the same thing as Ethereum is doing, is creating a whole ecosystem where other people can come in, create coins and contracts on top of their ecosystem, but they're using proof of stake. So they're using a much lighter algorithm that does not involve all that intense power and it could get costly. So if you think about it, all of these projects now running on Ethereum and using up gas and that type of thing, so they have to pay for that. There's a cost. So the more people on it, the more expensive it's going to get. Just that simple the higher the fees are because you're literally bidding for your transactions to get through, you know what I mean? To get through the network, to get picked up by the block. You know, you're bidding for that with these fees. So the fees are getting expensive. And now it's like, okay, you get in a new project on Ethereum and the project doesn't have a lot of value yet, but you have coins 
but you can't move them because the value, first of all, is too expensive to move them. And, they, and these coins haven't yet matured into any kind of value. So you just may be sitting holding something that you can't even really move yet or withdraw yet because the value's not there. You know, and I've actually had that situation myself. You know, there are coins that I've had earlier on that I just have sitting in a wallet, pretty much not doing anything because they can't be moved. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that type, so you'll find yourself in those types of situations. So for a new currency or a new project or even an NFT or something that you want to launch on that platform, you know, the expense may make you think twice about using Ethereum when you have alternatives now. I did have a question. I wanted to go back to something you had said earlier about that community aspect of the currencies and of the altcoins. How have you and your team gone about creating like that community for your currency and for a guap coin? Well, it was community day one. You know what I mean? So I think we did it like Black folks do it, the underground. You know what I mean? We start talking. We start telling people. We start, hey. And of course, starting a community in the beginning, sometimes you have to give away some coins. You have to do this. You have to do that. Say, hey, download this wallet. Install this wallet. And when people install the wallet, what do they want to do? They want to fill it. So getting them into the community and then also educating them at the same time, because these are people who are curious about cryptocurrency and blockchain, right? So they want to know more. So you got to pick up the education piece. You got to take on that responsibility. And granted, a lot of other projects, they're so big right now that they're not taking up the responsibility of educating the masses for mass adoption. You know, they're just kind of expecting us to jump on board and just start using it. Because, I mean, that's what we do. That's what we did with the debit card. No one remembers when they stop using the checks, then they start using the debit card to just start using the debit card. So they know that we can be passive spenders and passive participators. So we're taking the initiative and saying, no, we're not passive. We're empowered now. We're going to empower ourselves to be educated about this because the more you're educated about this, the more you realize that this could potentially be the solution to our problems. I definitely agree. Another thing I was just interested in, I guess another follow-up question with that, if I was just somebody that's trying to understand the difference between like a guap coin versus like another altcoin, as far as how it's going to help us in our community, what um, I think I saw is something that's about the incentives within spending in our community and stuff like yeah. that. Like, how does that whole thing work? Well, this is the thing. The difference between us is number one, we got some longevity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, we started around the beginning of 2017 and the 2016. So we've been working, we've been here building an ecosystem and that's very important. The ecosystem is something that most projects don't think about. A lot of projects, they think about, well, our own project, but what about what extends outside of our project? How do we actually use this? How do we integrate it with merchants? How do we integrate it in the lives of daily, you know, replace what's there? So you have to build an ecosystem. Somebody has to be concerned with that part of it. And we've taken on concerns, like I said, that other projects have not taken on. And in particular, a group that is marginalized. Like I said, we know we are rich in social capital. We know we're rich in influence. And things are done just quite passively with us. But what happens when we do it intentionally, when we step in intentionally and take over that social capital and start to redirect it into something else? So we were doing different things, you know what I mean, than the average. Our focus is people focus. And even in crypto, in blockchain as a whole, and in technology as a whole, even data science is removing people from the process. You know what I mean? So we're like, hey, we're going back to the people who are left behind and we're going to do our own party. 
and we're going to keep this humanity in it. And people are going to want that. So there are various different wars going on right now. There are data wars, there are money wars, there are all of that. But we got to stay with the people and we got to give the people something that they can maintain their humanity and they can maintain their quality of life and build on that as a base. So again, we were just doing things differently, I think, than other people. A lot of people said when we first started Guapcoin, why would you want to create a coin for Black people? <laughs> and this was Black people that said that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, why not? <laughs> because this is the thing. Again, we need to see our faces in the process. We don't need anyone handing us a solution anymore. We want to make solutions because we know what our problems are. We know what we're dealing with. And quite often, our problems are not considered problems to anyone else. So we want to be able to come up with our own solutions and put that to work. I posted a quote from Malcolm X the other day on Malcolm X's birthday, and he said it so eloquently. Why would you go to the oppressors? to give you the solution to the oppression that they're putting on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for real? <laughs> and that was like literally one of my favorite quotes because I'm like, exactly. Why would we go to the same corporate structure, same corporation, same monopolies, same folks mm-hmm. that are more concerned with maintaining this capitalistic structure than doing it ourselves? For sure. And you spoke in that about y'all starting back in 2017. And some people might be like, well, that's only like four years ago. Well, in crypto, that's a long time. You know, one year in crypto is like five, 10 years and regular years. You know that it's really a long time. And I just want to say congratulations for being in business that long. You know, my second question, follow up question was, where can I use Guapcoin? Where can I use it? And where can I exchange it? Well, this is the thing. First of all, we are an exchange. We're on COVID. And we're also getting ready to launch on a second exchange as well. We have a network of merchants, but the network grows and grows and grows. However, the main key thing is growing the community, right? So if you can imagine like this, if you have a million members of a community, then what happens on social media? People want to advertise to your community. They want to cater to your community. We build our community how we're supposed to build our community. There's nowhere that wouldn't accept Point. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we already experimented with that a couple of months ago. We're working with a company. I'm not going to say their name because I really don't want to promote their service, but They were accepting cryptocurrency to be able to shop on Amazon, eBay, et cetera, right? So we did a pilot with them and it went very, very well. So that was the example. It was like the light at the end of the tunnel. We were able to see the potential, Mm -hmm. right? So we now have merchants. We have um, merchants that are working on eBay-like and Amazon-like platforms, et cetera. And they're all excited about accepting Guapoint. They're like, that's the missing piece. If you're building a platform in the business, you don't want to have to worry about the money. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And whatever, leave that to us. We're building the money and we're steady increasing the value and we're investing our energy into it so that the value is there. Like this is something that you could use. For sure. For sure. And then I kind of want to go into where can I store some Guap coin if I wanted to purchase or if I wanted to exchange it, then I want to actually hold it in my wallet. Where can I do that at? You can get it from Probit.com. 
But my suggestion, and this is to everybody that's watching, join the community first. Because using an exchange is not necessarily the easiest thing, especially if you've never traded anything before on that type of interface. So join the Telegram, join the forum. We have set up different places that'll help you in that process. Eventually, it's going to get easier. You have a Bitcoin now that you can purchase through various wallets and stuff like that. But you got to understand they built up the ecosystem to be able to do that, right? We need to build up the ecosystem to be able to make it easier. Doge wasn't easy to get at one point either, you know? But with the Doge explosion, guess what? Everybody wanted to list Doge. There's exchanges. It's like, we got Doge now. Of course they wanted to list Doge because you wanted it, mm-hmm. right? So if you want Guapcoin, guess what they're going to list? They're going to list Guapcoin. That's how that works. A lot of people come to us and they come in their inbox and they ask us questions about it. Well, why aren't you on Coinbase? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you there? Because you have to show up first. You show up, then we'll be in all of those places because the demand is there. They know that. They see our power and they know. There was some gentlemen that had a podcast I was looking at the other day and they were like, wow. They was like, one day we're going to be like, oh, we accept this guac point. Guess what? That's what they're going to come to the, you know, they're going to come with. They're going to come with guac point. He said, we're going to be really snobby about it. And I could see that. I could see Black folks being really <laughs> snobby about this is what we accept. And that's what we accept. And, you know, and they're going to comply. That's how money works. It's value. So if you put in this value in this thing, it doesn't matter. You black, white, pink, whatever. They're going to get it and they're going to use it. I like to kind of give the same analogy to hip hop because a lot of people are like, well, why just target black people? It's like, well, are you think we're really targeting black people? Because we're targeting black people. But guess what? We bring everybody to the party. Do you not know how valuable and how powerful we are? I do. So I'm going for, yes, the difficult route, because that wall needs to be broken. You know, we have a wall, (laughs) a literal wall that needs to be broken. The tables need to be turned. Things need to be flipped. And that's what we're here doing, because we know that this technology has the potential to do it. And that's the real deal right there. So a quick question for anybody that's listening, like, how do you go and become a part of that community? Like, how does that work? You can go to guapcoin.org and you can click on the join the Telegram. And lots of us are already in Telegram or lots of us are using Telegram now because, you know, last year was an explosion of us using Telegram. And I'm not even going to get into why. <laughs> but I saw so many people join Telegram. I never even thought would touch it because it was such a geeky thing that only we used at one point. And now everyone's using it and people are using Discord, et cetera. So you would go and you would join Telegram and you would join our main Telegram group. And that's the welcome group. And that's the community, the people who are there to show you where to go, what to do and to help you. Um, We also just recently launched a community forum, guaptalk.org, which is another place where you can go and you can ask questions and we're filling it with information to help people. And it's not just about Guapcoin. It may be about another Black cryptocurrency or Black currencies that are out there. We hope one day will be the case. So, hey, we're not just building an ecosystem for Guapcoin. We're building an ecosystem for a future of Black currencies that are going to be in our community. That's real, man. Hey, we got to get those people that have made that community out in Georgia. They got to make their whole country community. Oh, we, already here. we already oh. got that. We already got that. Hi, Ashley. We're, we're already... We're already on that tip. You're talking about Freedom Georgia. We're on it. So we're there. Freedom Georgia will be a main guap hub 
where they're accepting GuapCoin. Um, we're actually also about to deploy a network of GuapCoin ATMs, uh, which will also have Bitcoin as well. So there are major cities that you're going to be seeing these GuapCoin ATMs pop up. So we're working on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that's going to be dope. It's crazy like to even to think to what you were saying earlier, just that that transition from like being raised by a revolutionary to like, all right, cool, you know, I get into tech. And then now it's like we were talking about Freedom Georgia and a whole different currency yeah. for us to be able to run on. Yeah. You know, being created by Black people. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing what our parents and grandparents, they didn't even dream of this stuff. Like, they didn't even dream of it. I can't even say they dreamed of it. They didn't even dream of it. Like, this is some way out stuff that we're actually achieving. And now is the time. For sure. And I kind of want to switch a little bit of gears and kind of go into the future of crypto. As you know, recently, I know there's been a, a huge dip. Some people are even calling it a bear market now for crypto. Is this something that you're seeing that's going to affect Guapcoin? Or is this something that you're seeing that is going to be just helpful for Guapcoin? It's helpful. <laughs> it's been more than helpful. You know, those dips and the highs, they're all kind of aggregated by just real, real gambling kind of energy, not so much thoughtful energy in terms of what can we do with this. It's more about individual, about me making a profit. Well, how can I make a profit? How can I make money off of this? It's not very community oriented. So whenever those dips come, then we have an opportunity to get the focus back to the community and what the whole basis of it is. Because to be honest, you're not going to be having a cryptocurrency that is really, really so expensive that's going to be used as a day-to-day -day tool for the average person, just not at all. And even just the whole thought that's being taught, like hodl, sit on it, hold it, that doesn't work in our community. I'm not saying that we can't save, but the growing a community, you're going to be utilizing a currency. You're going to be using it. It's going to go from hand to hand to hand to hand. The thing is, it's not that we don't want it to go from hand to hand. We want it to go all the way around our community as many times as possible. We don't want it to go to our hands and then out somewhere where it does us no benefit. So spending is not necessarily a bad thing. It's who you spend with that determines conscientiousness of what you're doing. So again, I think that the future of cryptocurrency, and number one, is going to be multi-currencies, of course, because people are going to see how a currency can empower people. Right. And this is especially other people who don't feel empowered and they're going to use this as a revolutionary way to feel empowered. They're going to speak with their money, you know, and if you want what they have to give, guess what? You're going to use their money to get it. Just like when you go into another country and you're using another country's currency, you may go into another area, just another virtual area of life. And that's someplace that you want to be and you're going to use that currency. Think about gaming. There's already gaming that takes advantage of that. My brother was a big Second Life fan, right? Second Life had the Linden dollar. Anything you wanted to do, you had to have the Linden dollar to do, right? So if you wanted to play this game and you wanted to buy land, you wanted to build things, you had to use Linden dollars to do it. And no one had a problem with that. So if you can imagine a future that looks like that, I think that's what the future is going to look like. The things that you're going to want to do you're going to have to go into their ecosystem and use whatever currency that they're using to do it. For sure. There's even speculation of Facebook making their own cryptocurrency. So if you want to go on there and get their platinum features or Instagram, as well as even doing Facebook ads, 
you know, you might have to use Facebook's currency, cryptocurrency to do so. so right, right, right. Future. Yes, exactly. So that's what it's going to be. You're looking at Web 3.0. Web 3.0 is not free. We now have our value. We now know the value of building a community, right? So now we want to know how to monetize our own community, how instead of giving the dollars away to the platform that we're on, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or whatever, how do we take that money and bring that into our own ecosystem? Because this is a business as well. I am a business. I'm a tech business now. And again, for Black and Brown people, it's been very difficult for us to get money for tech businesses. So this is a great way for us to build an ecosystem and build the collateral to continue building great um, ecosystems and great apps and great worlds and great services, et cetera. So in my last question before we pivot to the last section is you spoke on Web 3.0. Can you kind of go into that and what Web 2.0 is and why we're switching into Web 3.0? Absolutely. You know, there was a lot of FUD a couple of years ago when they were talking about net neutrality, right? And they were talking about how things would start to cost because of the overlying commercial companies and controlling the airwaves, right? And I think that was just a little bit of the icing on the cake. People didn't realize at the time that we're moving towards that, but not necessarily so much the airwaves itself, because inevitably, internet is probably going to be as free as rain one day. However, what is going to cost is the access to particular services. That's how they're going to get their money, is via access to different services, because it brings it back down to the creator. Creators, this is a creator's time, obviously, because you hear that word so much creator, content creator, content creator, right? So this, we're in a creator's market. So this is going to be the web 3.0 is a way that creators will be able to handle their cash flow, to be able to handle how much money that they're making, to be able to grow their platforms, et cetera. So this is web 3.0. Web 3.0 may consist of you visiting a website. That's not free. That website is going to cost you in some form or fashion, because you got to understand this is someone's business. Just because it's a website, They get up every day, they're creating content, and the more money that they make, likely the more content they're going to be motivated to produce. So again, that's where we're moving towards. That's definitely going to be the future. And I kind of want to pivot into our last section, which is what's on your timeline. So Tavanya, what is something that you've seen on your timeline that you want to speak about and something that you may want to discuss with our audience? Well, we got lots. I think I dropped a little bit when I talked about the ATMs and I think expanding more onto the streets. That's our next move. We just came out of 2020. So 2020 was like all quarantine. Nobody could go anywhere. So we kind of had to do everything virtual. But I think that getting back onto the streets is going to be the next move. That's the next important thing. We're looking at launching the campaign One Million Wallets. We're actually going to hit the streets. One part of the campaign is the Black churches. Another part of the campaign is the Black colleges. So we want to hit both places. We want to educate people on a one-to-one, you know, or one-to-many in-person live basis. We got to bring a lot of people up to speed to this new technology. This is a big, big thing. And I think that it's going to be better offline going out and actually hitting the streets, especially when we're talking about our folks, than it's going to be online. So we're going to hit that underground railroad. We're literally going to hit the streets like we've done all throughout American history. Like literally when we were in hip hop and we're going and we're selling mixtapes to the back of cars. And prior to that, when they're selling albums and 45, you know, out the back of cars, 
and they're pushing everything out on the streets. That always works for us. And I think that that's going to be our next move. That's what we're going to do. I'm really excited about that because although I'm a tech geek, I'm tired of the computer. I want to get out amongst my people again and actually talk and actually teach one-on-one. So I'm very excited about that part. You hit on some, I'm so happy that you mentioned it, like with your two-part campaign, that sounds like amazing. Just because like you're hitting us, like black people, where we already are. You got the HBCUs, we're predominantly there. You have the churches, predominantly there. Like, I'm just so happy that you're taking it to that stage and you're already going through the process of making sure that you go out and help people and, you know, actually talking to people in the physical form. Because I agree, like when you're talking about this type of stuff, hopping on Zoom call, any of that, I don't care. Pandemic has helped some things, but we as us <laughs> still need to like, okay, I'm yeah. looking at you. You telling me about how this works as a coin and as a currency and that type of stuff. Right. Uh, a lot of our people are still in that phase. So I'm so happy that you're taking that on as a challenge. And like, if there's anything that you do need from us, like you need some help or something like that, definitely let us know as well. I love oh, absolutely. Like well, definitely. <laughs> this is going to be a community effort for sure. Thank you. We're trying to be accepting guap coin for some stuff in the future, man. We got to awesome. make that shake. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> for sure. Well, we appreciate you coming on here, educating our people on guap coin, educating our people on blockchain and cryptocurrencies and everything. We really, really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And one more time real quick for the people that didn't catch it earlier in the episode. Can you tell them where they can go? to get in the Guapcoin community? Where can we go to, you know, keep up with you and what's coming next? Where can the people tap in? Guapcoin.org. That's the main site. Go to the right, click on that, join our Telegram. That's the entry into the Telegram. We also have links to the forums, et cetera. You can get us on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Guapcoin, at Guapcoin, or at Crypto Diva. That's two E's. (laughs) D-E-E-B-A. You can get me personally. But definitely follow us on those channels. We're quite active on social media, especially on Twitter. Twitter is the news. You got to get it out there. Those are the places that you really want to hit up, but especially that Telegram. The Telegram, we're really trying to pump people because that's like the doorway. You know, you're coming in a doorway, we'll tell you where to go and we'll help you get there. You know what I mean? Not just go there. We're going to walk you there, you know, and you'll have a little bit more support there because this is a decentralized project. We don't have customer support. You don't have customer service where you can pick up the phone and call. You know, you can email, but you can come to the community and everybody is an equal owner in this. For sure. For sure. And I just want everybody to go make sure y'all go tap in on that and go make sure that y'all are following with Guapcoin and keeping up with everything. Because like she said, one day we want to make this the currency of the future that we can all be accepting. And just like Kelly said, I just want to thank you again for your time. And Kelly, do we have any house cleaning things we need to hop into? House cleaning items, man. I want to say thank you for everybody that's listening. We appreciate you, especially if you're listening this far. We really do appreciate you listening all the way through. Um, Go ahead and give us a like, comment, subscribe. Give us a rating. You know, let us know how we did. What did you like about this podcast? What did you did not like about this podcast? What would you like to see from us? Who would you like to see on this podcast? Just let us know. Hit us up. Let us know. Keep supporting. Keep rocking with us. Of course, we've got the BWR Academy going on. Join that. We're going to have instructors teaching you about credit building, instructors teaching you about how to get into retirement accounts, build your retirement up, getting to you uh, insurance, uh, life insurance, and as well as any other insurances, as well as even budgeting. You know, we're partnering with Capital 
a financial institution that is just going to help everybody budget out their expenses and their income and kind of get you on the track to building up your personal finances. So, of course, join our academy. we got a lot of great things going there, and we will be dropping some exclusive content there, exclusive articles, exclusive interviews, whatever. We're dropping it there as well as our Patreon account, okay? So go ahead and click those two links. And like I said, we appreciate y'all for following us. For sure. And I do just want to give a quick shout out. We had a new podcast review. So I just wanted to give our brother a quick shout out. Mr. Reggie Calhoun Jr. He said, thank you for the feature. This is special. I love y'all episode. I love all episodes. Boot Boys. Uh, you know, shout out to him, man. A hey, shout out to Louisiana and everything. Shout out to Louisiana, man. <laughs> shout out to the boot, man. But I think that's everything. We're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. We thank y'all for tuning in. And this has been another episode with Black Wolf Renaissance signing out. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.